Hello, and welcome to the Yankee Socks Off podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Beal, alongside my co-host, Andrew Gambardella. Gamby, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm excited for today's debate. Um, if you didn't tune on last time and had a preview of what we're going to do today, we have, um, we have a debate as to who will have the best infield upcoming in the MLB. Um, we're going to talk about that later. We're going to finish the show with that debate. And uh, right now we're going to jump into the NFL, touch on the NBA, and then preview who we think is going to win the final four now that our picks are, are done. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so, like I said, NFL today, um, right after work, check my phone. It's buzzing. And it's buzzing because Tyree Kill is on the move, Beal. Going to the Dolphins to play with the second speediest wide receiver in the NFL, and Jalen, and and that is Jalen Waddle. But five picks. I, who do you think won this trade, Beal, between the Chiefs and the Dolphins? Um, personally, I mean, I'm just kidding. <laughs> without a doubt, 100 percent of people I think in the world are saying that the Chiefs have won it, and I am with that 100 percent people because I am a people. And, uh, yeah, they got five picks for Tyreek Hill. I, I don't really think there's many ways to slice it. And the Dolphins are not in a position necessarily to win. I don't think we expect them coming out of the AFC, considering the talent that is in the AFC right now. And so getting Tyreek Hill was kind of just a little thing to maybe make Tua happy or maybe cause Tua to play well. Um, but they basically traded away a huge chunk of their future and a lot of ability to continue building on their offense. Uh, they gave that away for a single player, and um, I never think that's a good idea in any sport, um, unless if you're in position to win championship. If we're talking Dave Dombrowski 20, um, 2018, bringing in talent, that's one thing, but it's the Miami Dolphins. What are you doing? And the Chiefs, I mean, I don't really think that – I mean, it makes – them less of a potent offense um long term i think it helps them obviously with those five players uh five additional players five uh lottery tickets if you will uh by nfl standards for the draft but um but yeah i mean the chiefs are chiefs are playing and so their youth they have young players they're ready to continue building and um they got rid of a guy who had a lot of value to keep getting younger and keep becoming more skilled uh and uh yeah so um i'm excited for the chiefs don't know what the dolphins are thinking i don't like tyree kale personally but i recognize that he's a good player i still don't know what the dolphins are doing yeah I, the dolphins have amassed a roster here of for tua weapons wise they they got the best 
arguably the best free agent in Teron Armstead from the Saints, one of the best left tackles in the league. Um, they got him for for five years, I think, locked up for $75 million was the deal. Then you already add, they already have Mike Jasifke, Devontae Parker, Jalen Waddell at wideout. They signed Cedric Wilson from the Cowboys to act as their third wideout. Um, they, they just signed Chase Edmonds from the Cardinals, a great receiving back. And now you add in Tyreek Hill. I mean, with new coach Mike McDaniel walking in the door, he's got to say to himself, if this somehow fails, I mean, it just puts that much more pressure on Tua to perform. And none of us are here, the both of us, I don't think are huge believers in Tua, but it's only been two years on the league, so we might be jumping on him a little bit early. I actually um, kind of like Tua. I don't think he's been good at all, but, um, but I, I don't dislike the direction that the Dolphins are going. I think it's, you know, like, I, I mean, I, I do dislike the Hill trade, as I just said, but – I don't dislike the move to keep him around and give him these chances. I mean, a lot of teams probably would have just given up on him and uh, brought in more quarterback talent. Uh, they, I mean, they kind of have, but they also kind of have always had that position open to Tua. Uh, and he's seemingly very willing to fight for it. And, I mean, that's all you can ask out of a guy who's like 23, 24. So we don't really know what's to come for him, but I, I'm not out on him just yet. Yeah. Um, if you want to compare this to probably mano y mano, if you're looking at it, is the second, like arguably you can, you can argue Tyree Kill is the best receiver in the league. No. So no, you could. No, you uh, can't. You could. No. You could. I mean, it's he's the Devontae most, Adams. All right, fine. Best weapon in the league, I would say. No, Christian I mean, McCaffrey. Yeah, home run a bit. Oh, my gosh. With the injuries um, he's had the last two seasons. I don't care. You better if not be want, serious about this. I am serious about this. Wow. And Jonathan Taylor. Oh, my God. I Running don't back like in today's Tyree NFL. Kill. Not No, the amount of – I know you have supreme bias towards Tyree Kill. We'll get that out of the way here. He's in the man. Asshole. Okay, yes. Off the field is not what he does on the field. On the field, he's an incredible football player, and you have to run your defense around him. Um, you could argue that they have Kelsey, too, and the defense has to put attention there, but I think Hill has really helped Kelsey more than Kelsey has helped Hill. Um, but you can argue either way because I just think the defense has to worry about that home run shot more than they do um, Kelsey over the middle for 15 yards. Um, because, you know, you make – you've seen it time and time again. You make the Chiefs get multiple first downs, and Mahomes and that Chiefs offense and Andy Reid wants that home run play. So they don't have that anymore, um, but they get a haul. And you, you hinted at this. They get five picks here. They get – I mean, they get a third round. They get a – 2022 first round pick, 29th overall pick, 2022 second rounder, 2022 fourth rounder, 2023 fourth rounder, and a 2023 sixth rounder from the Dolphins. You're right. The Raiders only gave up two picks. They gave up a first and a second for Devontae Adams. Now, if we're looking at those and trying to comp those trades, 
here there's a lot, there's an extra two fourth round picks and a sixth round pick getting valued for Tyree kill. Um, I don't know where that extra value comes in. Cause I think there's a great argument to be made. Who's, who's a better wide out. Um, no, there's no argument. Oh, okay. I would also sign with Devonte as a pure wide out, but as a better weapon, I would argue Hill, but the dolphins already have so many weapons. They don't have an established quarterback. I don't think this makes them a super bowl contender. Um, and honestly, I don't like the Devonte Adams trade either for the, for the Raiders. Cause it doesn't make them, especially with the Broncos getting Russell Wilson and the chiefs still being the chiefs with Patrick Mahomes. Um, I think this is a great transition to trade a guy who's 28 uh, receivers when they hit the age of 30 scary stuff happens with injuries when you get later and you're coming out of your prime um, and he's a speed guy. So if you lose a step, you lose out on a lot of that explosiveness. So yeah. um is also only, he's 29 as well. Um, but I, I don't know how these deals are going to play out, but just comparing those mano y mano, it seems as though um, the Raiders got a steal for Devonte, whereas um, the Dolphins did not. Yeah. And just to add on to, uh, the Dolphins versus Raiders mindset. I, I really believe that the trade for Devontae Adams had a little bit more of an underlying reason than the Tyreek Hill trade did. I mean, we saw what J- uh, John Gruden did when he um, became head coach and manager of the Raiders and, and kind of turned over the team for as many picks as he could possibly get. And since his past offseason, he's no longer been in the job. And so the – uh, the way to kind of establish a new regime is probably to do the opposite of what he did. And so the first big move um, I, I would consider big move by the Raiders is trading for Devontae Adams. I mean, that kind of carries a strong statement and a loud statement to the rest of the league that like, they're not messing around. They're not in a rebuild mindset, even though they've moved on from their coach and general manager, they're ready to fight and win. And, um, I think that's the right attitude to uh, to play, whether they're playing it out to the public, to other teams, or to their own players. Um, but I know that that definitely makes guys like Derek Carr more like driven to succeed, um, rather than the alternative of a guy coming in and trading away their best weapon like Khalil Mack. Yeah, um, I definitely think it delivers a different message to the locker room saying that we're coming into this season and we're going to try to compete. We don't care. And I forgot to mention the Chargers earlier. The Chargers, they get Khalil Mack. They get J.C. Jackson from the Pats, a great corner. They go all in on defense to try to bulk up that defense with already you have Herbert. Um, You have that great quarterback. You have Keenan Allen. You have Mike Williams that you sure up, and you have a good offensive line. So um, they're saying we're not scared of Chargers. We're not scared of the Broncos with Wilson or the Chiefs with Mahomes. Um, we're going to try to compete with Derek Carr and he went to college with Devonte Adams. They already have that chemistry. So you're right. There, there was a different aura about that trade. Whereas this one just felt like it was a bidding war uh, yeah. and the chiefs came out on top. Um, right. Even with a no trade clause, the jets offer was substantially worse than what the dolphins offer came in as apparently. Um, 
And I guess the Chiefs got lucky that he wanted to go to Dolphins, but who the who would want to go to the Jets of all of all places? Um, and apparently the Packers were in there a little bit, but they didn't have a great offer either. Um, so the team also has to accept the offer and he has to waive the no trade clause. So that factors in as well. But Chiefs get a haul. Um, they didn't have the money with the money that they're paying Pat Mahomes here. Um, that the Dolphins gave him a contract, but hats off to the Dolphins. They're sending it. Um, they have the Pats and Bills in that division and a rising Jets team that spent a lot of money and a lot of good money on some good players this offseason. But that AFC is loaded. Whoever comes out of that AFC is probably going to be banged up. And you just look at the NFC. It is so much worse. And I'm still just so glad the Giants are in the NFC. Yep, me too. It's, it's a fun division to be in right now. Yeah, I mean, really, on our side, it's the Rams defending world, world champions. Um, the Niners will be good. Again, they have a good roster. You have the Bucks, and you have the Packers who are taking a bat. They don't have any cap room to add, really. Neither do the Bucks. neither do the Rams. Um, none of those teams are making huge moves here. Um, and... I mean, the Niners got a cornerback, War, Chedarius War from the Chiefs, so they made a couple other moves, too, that were pretty solid. But, yeah, the NFC is wide open uh, past those four teams. I I mean, if you want to say the Cowboys or Eagles maybe to return to the playoffs, I, I don't know if both of them get back there. It's a wide-open NFL. Also, in other news, I don't know if you saw this, but Matt Ryan – going to one of your brother's teams in the Colts, yep. the Colts continually on seems like on that one year rental quarterback um, waiting for that next quarterback. They're still on that bridge period. They definitely miss Andrew Luck, but they get Matt Ryan for a third round pick um, from the Falcons. Um, I think it's a steal and the Falcons are left with a ton of dead money. The Colts don't take on a huge contract. I think it's a great deal for the Colts because I think Matt Ryan still has a little bit of juice left. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's a great move. It kind of – it makes me think a little bit about um, Carson Palmer going to the Cardinals kind of later in his career and making that run at the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know what year that was, but um, but I don't know. It kind of has that feel to it. It's like team it? is there, bringing an older quarterback – you know, guy who's been there, done that, still doesn't have a Super Bowl of his – oh, wait. No, Matt Ryan has one, right? No. No, you, he doesn't. Why did you have to do him like that? He, lost, <laughs> he had the 28-3 oh, yeah, lead. Oh, yeah, 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 yes. yeah, 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 yeah. 2000 – No, no, I, oh. I remembered that. I couldn't – I don't know why for a second I thought he won one before then. But, uh, yeah, no, that uh, that is kind of dirty doing that to him. But yeah, I mean, a guy who doesn't have a ring yet, give him a chance with a really good offense, really good offensive line, very good defense. I mean, the, the Colts are as good of a team as you could ask for. They just don't have a quarterback. And so uh, they're kind of at that point right now that they, they might be able to be pushed into that Super Bowl conversation with a guy like Matt Ryan. Yeah. I, I like how you said that Carson Palmer reference. Um, the only time the Cardinals have been to the Super Bowl was with Kurt, uh, Kurt Warner when they lost San Antonio Holmes' crazy catch in the corner of the end zone against the Steelers. 
Um, but they did get to the NFC Championship game, I want to say twice, back in the, um, like 2014 um, with Carson Palmer. So they did make a, a good run, good run at it. Um, yeah, uh, if, if they can, if the Colts can get to an AFC Championship game, that would be crazy with how good the AFC is this year. I think they would take that. Um, saying that they at least get to the AFC championship this year. Um, but they are in probably the weakest division out of all with the Jags. They spent a ton of money, but I didn't like really many of their moves. They get Evan Ingram, um, Christian Kirk as their number one writer, Cizay Jones. They spend a lot of money on a lot of, a lot of guys. I do love Brandon Sheriff, um, but yeah, the Jags, the Texans will still not be great. The Titans might take a backseat after their heartbreak against the Bengals in the playoffs last year. So, um, and now the Browns with the Sean Watson. I mean, that AFC, there's going to be some teams that don't make the playoffs in there that are substantially better than probably a division winner um, in the NFC. Yeah. Yeah, but that does it for the NFL. Um, I'm glad we had that Tyree kill debate because um, yeah, so he is not so bad, but I do think that the chiefs got a great deal. They get to build in the draft right away. Um, they do have a hole now at wide receiver, but drafting wide receivers in the draft, um, it'll take some time to build some chemistry, but with Mahomes and Kelsey still in tow, and a good running back and Clyde Edwards Alaire and Daryl Williams there. Um, I think they'll they'll be they'll be just fine. Andy Reid, great coach, and they have a good O-line. So the defense is still terrible, but this will help them on both sides of the ball, probably. Um, you're getting five chances at at solid players in the draft. And uh, yeah, that does it for the NFL. Uh, moving on to the NHL. The trade deadline happened. Now we're moving on to the NBA. Um, Beal for the NBA. A few games I, were played. Yeah, a few games were played. Uh, we're moving towards the playoffs. Um, yeah. And then now we can get to <laughs> NCAA, which is people might forget the past couple of days because there's been no March Madness games. They come back this Thursday. Oh, yeah. They come back this Thursday, and it's the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight this weekend. Another phenomenal weekend of games. Um, You get four games each day, and then two games each day on on Saturday and Sunday. I, I think the team I'm looking at, we don't have to go through each game pick by pick unless you want to, Beal. No, that's good. I was thinking doing Final Four. Okay, we can do final four based on what um, what's left. Um, yeah. You can change from what you filled out your bracket as if if you're not like me and you. Oh, I'm only gonna have to because Murray State isn't in the final four. Apparently, <laughs> they lost or something like that. Yeah, they lost. Yeah, they lost. To, I, to, refused, uh, to I refuse. I refuse to accept Jersey that City. because I mean it's. It's so blatant that the world just didn't want them to win. I mean, um, like, they were right. such a good team. 
I didn't want them to win. I wanted right. 15 seed yeah. St. Peter's to take them down. It's really unfortunate. Every, yeah. Yeah. That, the that referees were definitely on the 15 seed side. Oh, I mean. my God. <laughs> the referees, there was a lot of bad calls. Um, if we're talking about bad noted, calls. <laughs> the UNC Baylor game, a lot of. Bad. I mean, lot of not so great calls not have the been worst call the worst call the one that's that's getting that got a lot of attention was one of the last games to happen in the round of 32 Arizona TCU right before overtime TCU player with the ball getting doubled dribbles out of the double gets bumped to the floor obvious foul every the ref that they had that you know how they have that like replay official to help with like the broadcasters and they bring them in as an, like Gene Steratore, you know, you know, those types of guys or yep, like, yep. yeah. Um, yeah. Or Jay Glazer, they used to bring on sometimes for the NFL, um, him with injuries and stuff. But um, yeah, everybody on Twitter, at, everywhere said that that was a foul. It was with two seconds left in a tie game. Arizona then goes to OT and beats TCU. That's that's heartbreak. I mean, yes, he would have had to make a free throw, but I think there it was the best player in the hands, um, right around a 70, 75% free throw shooter, right in between there for the season. I think he makes the free throw, and they, they're playing Houston this weekend instead of Arizona. Um, so I know the game doesn't come down to just one play, so, but that was sad. Sad sight to see. But Beal, what? We'll move on from that because Arizona's a great team, and I love watching them play. Ben Matherin at shooting guard, stud, going to be a top ten pick, and they're the biggest team in the tournament. So I love seeing that size. They got Christian Koloku at center, who had twenty eight and twelve. Um, yeah, it's a big team, um, but it's a great it's a good team to watch because they are just that big. Um, But yeah. Uh, What is your updated final fall? Uh, Final, final fall. Yeah. I mean, who who do you think? (laughs) So I I can't wait for my final four because we've got two big rivalries in conference rivalries matching up in the final four. We got Duke versus UNC on the left side of the bracket, obviously UNC winning, um, again, to ruin uh, Coach K's go-away story, right off into the sunset, whatever you want to call it, UNC's going to shatter those hopes on their way to winning another NCAA championship. But on the other side, wow. for the second-place team, it will be determined between the two Big East rivals, Villanova and Providence. I mean, wow! to, to say it's a rivalry is kind of a stretch. Uh, when you have UNC and Duke on the other side, but still big East, nonetheless, um, Villanova and Providence Villanova is going to make their way through that one. So you're going to have Villanova and UNC rematch um, and UNC is going to win this time. Wow. I love your final four. I think it brings the most fandom to the final four um, to watch the final four and have the most buzz around it. And I think it might happen because Duke um, with the refs, the way they've been reffing, I, uh, I get antsy because they definitely want a Duke and Zaga lead eight game 
and they will definitely love to have Duke UNC meet in the final four after UNC in Mike Shevsky's last home game in Cameron indoor, uh, the last game of the regular season destroyed, dismantled Duke on their home floor. Um, Brady so that Manic could be re- went up. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm going to stick with what, um, uh, my final four was, um, in, in the bracket pool. Um, I'm going to say this is what it was from the start. It it was Texas Tech, UCLA, Villanova, and Kansas. Um, And I have Kansas beating UCLA in the finals. Um, I was a lot more confident in UCLA before watching that game against St. Mary's. They they destroyed them, but Jaime Jaquez goes down with a right ankle sprain. He's still questionable against UNC. I think that gives UNC a great leg up. I think Purdue on the other side of that bracket is no slouch. Um, also, Cinderella, St. Peter's, you cannot. When you had a saint on their side, you know, this is the new right. sister Jean. God's on yeah. their side. Um, yeah. Watch out. Um, only the only bracket left, the only side is Gonzaga's bracket has the one, two, and three, and four seeds not knocked out. I think Arkansas takes down Gonzaga. I think Arkansas is a better team. And I also think Texas Tech beats Duke. I think nobody's expecting their storyline to end here. Um, but I think it ends here um, in a – people, if they didn't see starting shooting guard for Duke, also sprained his ankle in that game against Michigan State. Michigan State, not a good defensive team or really that great on offense, puts up 75 points and takes Duke down to the final two minutes. Um, So I love Texas Tech. I love their defense. But with UCLA's injury, that's the only one that I'm scared of. I think Kansas handles Providence in a close one, but I think they come away with the win, and I think Kansas kills Iowa State or, or Miami. And, yeah, I, I like how deep of a team Kansas is um, and watching their game. They got a sixth man and Remy Martin, incredible name. I, I go purely off of names really in this tournament on what I like to say, like Villanova has, has this guy with the last name Slater. And I, I think that's really cool. Um, I'm pretty sure that was a name of a movie care character. I don't know what movie you help me out with this one, Beal? Sorry, what was that? Movie? I don't know. That's what I need need help with. I can't with. help you out there. I'm not not the greatest there. In that realm. Okay. Oh, there's Christian Slater. Oh, okay. Big time actor. Um yeah, I, I I have no, no idea um, where I was going with that. But that's my final four. Um, Texas Tech, UCLA, Kansas, and Villanova. Um, We only have one team in common. And, yeah. Oh, Slater is the – This it wasn't a movie. Slater is the character from – what the – Saved by the Bell. Uh, if yeah, you've ever watched that show, yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So, I'm taking Slater and Villanova as a lock. Okay. Um, but 
Mm, they play Michigan. Mm. Yeah, I I love all of these games that are coming up. I think are going to be close um, and good games to watch. Obviously, there'll be like a blowout or two that I just we just don't expect to happen, but happens. But there's going to be more upsets. There's going to be things we don't just can't put a finger on and can't understand. But I hope we get our first buzzer beater of the tournament this weekend. That would be a defining moment in the tournament. There's been seven OT games so far. Um, There's been some incredible games. What's, what's been your, let me ask this question. What's been your favorite game to watch of the tournament so far? Uh, I feel really badly for saying this. So maybe I won't say it. Uh, no, say it. Say it. It was. Bring it on. I hate to say this, but it was the UConn game. UConn, New Mexico State. Yeah. Yes. Teddy Allen. I just feel really badly because those of you, you know, who have been part of this podcast, you know that Gamby's favorite team is UConn. So I was rooting for UConn. Um, but the way that Teddy Allen was playing, I mean, it was just a sight to see. It was it was something out of, like, a movie. The guy just – I mean, I hadn't heard of him. He made a name for himself by being a great sharpshooter throughout the year. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, he was just shooting the lights out and putting on a performance that – uh, it's just it's so typical of March Madness to see things like that. Just a guy who you never heard of on a team who you've probably never seen before. And he's just putting up buckets. And like, I don't know, it was just for me, that was that was probably the most exciting game. Also, because it was super close till the end. Yeah, it it was a phenomenal game. Um, and until that last like 30 seconds when we fouled them for free throws, it was a one point game um, the whole way. We just didn't take the lead. We didn't have the lead since like three minutes into the game. So, yeah, um, that was hell watching that, though. So thank you for bringing up those memories. Field. I'm sorry. Um, I really am. No, no, you're not. You just continued with it anyways. I was I was um, going to say the UNC Baylor but, game, but it was exciting for another reason it was exciting out of just anger in the last 10 minutes of the game when I felt like every call went the way that it was not supposed to and it was exciting because at the end obviously it went into overtime um Baylor had an incredible 25 point comeback and I I think if I wasn't invested into that game that would have been the most exciting um but not for good reasons. I, I feel like that game shouldn't have been a game. And then it all of a sudden was because of a string of bad calls. Um, but I won't get too far into that. It was just definitely an exciting game though. So I almost pivoted to that one. This isn't going to be a, um, an off the radar game that I watched. Um, but I, I do have to say um, that, you know, there are some games out there that don't get a lot, like, you know, some of the later games on the East coast, like that Arizona TCU game, I didn't get to watch the end of, but ended up being a a great game. Um, But I got to say the best game that, that I laid eyes on was, was St. Mary's over Kentucky Um, going to OT um, great shot making in that game. And the fact that you get to root for a 15 seed 
to beat a two. Uh, for me, that was that that was the game of the tournament so far. And you know how they do that shining moment video yep. at yep. the that that's going to lead the shining moment for sure. Like the smiles on those kids' faces, they're in the Sweet Sixteen. I, I mean, what what more can you ask for, really? Yeah. But I'm going to say a close second. Another first round game was Richmond beating Iowa. Nobody and their mothers, nobody expected that one with how hot Iowa was coming into the tournament. So, um, yeah, I, those are the two games that really caught my eye. But St. Peter's over Kentucky, especially because it goes to OT, takes over for me, taking down a blue blood. And I, I don't have much love for Kentucky. So, yeah, screw them. That's fair. Um, but that, I mean, now it brings us to our favorite part and what this show is really about. This is the Yank Your Socks Off podcast for one reason, one reason only for MLB, because we want to talk Yankees Red Sox. But um, first, Beal, do you want to start us off with the rule changes head us, heading into the MLB um, for 2022? Yeah, sure. So. The MLB Players Association and the MLB got together and decided on some rule changes, including the return of the ghost runner, the dreaded ghost runner. Uh, man starts at second base for every um, extra inning. Inning. Uh, yeah, extra inning. Um, so, I, I mean, there's definitely some mixed reviews on our experiences with that one. I think there's definitely a little bit of fan excitement that comes from it, but – um, it, it seems kind of like a band-aid. Uh, ultimately, the MOB and the MOBPA is trying to figure out a way to get people home quicker and, you know, add games a little bit quicker and not draw into the early morning of, you know, 3 a.m. games like like when the Red Sox and Yankees were in the 17th inning a couple years ago. Like, they're, they're trying to do away with those games and, um, and kind of draw audience in from the beginning to end, which – I mean, is understandable. It's tough for us hardcore baseball fans to like be okay with that, but it is what it is. Um, I get why they're doing it. I get why they're trying to make those decisions. I just don't think they're implementing it in the correct way. Um, games uh, after nine innings, I feel like it's pretty common for teams to be tied at that point. I mean, baseball isn't a very high scoring affair. I mean, it can be obviously, uh, but uh, there, there are a handful of games in the summer and um, that kind of end up past nine innings, uh, still a tied ball game. And, uh, and I just feel like throwing in an extra runner in the 10th inning is, is kind of rough. Like I, I feel like they should let them play a few extra innings, at least normal. Um, and if they don't want the games to get to like 17 innings, then maybe implement something into like the, the 12th or 13th or something. I, I had heard a few different opinions about this. I listened to uh, to John Boy earlier today kind of speak in his opinions. I disagree with what he says. I it, He was wanting um, like I think it was clean 10th inning, 11th inning, throw runner on second, 12th inning, throw runner on first and second, 13th inning, bases loaded or something like that. I don't disagree with where he's coming from. Um, other 
uh, other individuals have called for kind of like a shootout method to determine games. I hate that idea. Um, in baseball, that would probably look like a home run derby, and I just don't see the MLB or MOBPA ever agreeing to something like that. But other sports have adjusted their overtime, uh, overtime, uh, what's it called, overtime time into uh into kind of like shootout methods or um i i mean in football it's first team to score a touchdown or uh if the first you know team who has possession doesn't score a touchdown then it's first team to score after that and i i think that's uh that has a lot of football fans happy i think it's a pretty good median you're not playing a full overtime period um in soccer obviously they have the shootout hockey they have a shootout and so um, sports have changed, but baseball is a little bit more reluctant just because of the, the age and the, I mean, baseball just doesn't change a whole lot when it comes down to it and, and other sports do. And so that might be a flaw of baseball. That might be why we're seeing more loyal fans in baseball rather than like more fans total. So I, I think it is a problem that has to be adjusted. I just don't know what the solution is. Um, personally, uh, I know what I want. I know I want just good old 17 inning ball games. I'm fine with that. I love it. Uh, but but I get that that's not realistic. So I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine for ideas. I just don't love reinstilling, uh, the same method that was employed last year with little success. Uh, was it employed last year? I thought it was only employed in 2020. No, they had it last year. Okay. I believe. Yeah, they had it last year. The Ghost Runner. I think so. Maybe Um, I'm wrong about that. Okay, maybe it was just 2020. We'll come back to it. Um, But, yeah, like, they they wanted to bring it in, uh, given that we have a shorter spring training. They thought that early on pitchers might get tired. uh, And – I mean, that's why they expanded the rosters. We're now at a 28-man roster for the month of April. Uh, May 1st, you got to go back down to 26. But that's kind of their little patch on uh, the the players arguing that they don't have as much time to get ready, which is a very fair argument and has resulted in injury in seasons past. Um, And so allowing an extra two pitchers on the roster in the month of April is huge, but I don't know. Citing the same reason for bringing back the ghost runner is so that games don't last too long and, and pitchers are well rested early in the year. I just, I I don't know. It it feels like kind of wrong. I mean, both sides were pushing for it for that reason. The MOBPA agreed to it because it was a way um, for players not to be exhausted early on after shortened spring training. But um, I don't know. I mean, I thought 28-man kind of solved that issue. So I don't know why you kind of throw on two Band-Aids to the same issue, but it is what it is as what uh, the yeah. direction that they're going is. Yeah. But, yeah. I just think some of the most memorable games I've had is like that seven OT game, UConn-Syracuse, yeah. or yeah. I think there was a 19-inning game with the Braves in it and maybe the athletics like a few years ago and I I mean I was staying I was I just tuned in in like the 15th inning of that game um for some reason I was up but like being there as a fan like 
if you're watching that game right through nine innings and you're a fan of that team, you're staying through because that could be one of the most memorable games you'll ever had. And you are always think back to that night, right. um, that UConn Sy- Syracuse game in the Big East tournament. I f- will forever remember that. Um, yep. So just some of those longer games also bring out great memories, but I understand they're worried about injuries. They're worrying about um, pitchers being like bullpens being exhausted, exhausted for the next couple of games. Um, but the ghost runner, they did eliminate it last year. So we thought it was gone. You might've, it might just seem like short term memory um, because 2020 when COVID started here um, it seems like, that was only, you know, just like a year ago, you know what I'm saying? Like so short of a time ago. Um, but yes, it was taken away last year and yes, now it's back. And I'm, I mean, I'm kind of indifferent. Cool. It leads to more runs. Cool. Um, I'm sure we'll still see like a really long game. Um, but also another rule change, uh, the Shohei Otani rule, as they're calling it, um, if you're a DH now with the universal DH being implemented this year on every team, if you're the DH as the starting pitcher, you can stay as DH for the remainder of the game, even if you come out for pitching. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, but I did. Yeah, I'm sure you did. Um, yeah, I think that is a great rule. Uh, yeah. It doesn't yeah. make any sense why it was ever the other way around. Like if you use your DH spot for your pitcher, like, that is a decision. It, it seemed odd that once a pitcher comes out, you lose the DH spot altogether. Because, um, as you know, you can't sub into the DH spot. Um, and if you do, then you lose your DH spot and then your pitcher's hitting. And so that was kind of where it came from because, like, you know, 20 years ago or something, uh, like, you know, when at more than 20 years ago, I guess, but when they're making these rules for DH, um, it like they never really considered an AL team like electing not to use their DH and to hit with their pitcher instead. And so it wasn't really ever thought of. And I think that's kind of what happened, but yeah. like you can't make a sub into DH. So essentially when the angels would take out Shohei, they would, lose their dh spot and their pitcher would have to hit and so it was a huge detriment to the angels and kind of reason to keep shohei in longer than maybe he needed to be um because he is so potent at the plate and such a big bat for them and honestly one of uh, the two biggest bats that they have in their lineup and so taking him out is uh hugely inefficient to to their lineup and um subbing him in with a bench bat is not ideal and so that was just something that seems to make sense to me i mean if you're electing to do away with your dh spot and like you're using your pitcher you should be able to keep that guy in that position um i I feel like that's kind of only fair if you have somebody with that capability i mean um go for it so i, I don't know i, I like it I, I don't think anybody has ever questioned that like once once everyone saw that rule they're like oh yeah it makes sense um but uh but yeah i mean it brings more value to shohei otani and and guys that are pursuing a two-way ability um on the baseball diamond so yeah pretty cool stuff uh yeah i mean that's a once in a lifetime player at this point yeah 
Um, but I mean, there are people out there that like wouldn't mind their pitcher hitting. I mean, Granky kind of when he was younger, Bumgarner when he was younger, and I mean, Hunter Green's coming up. We don't really know um, what that looks like for him. I, I know that he was drafted into the MLB as a two-way player. He's not a two-way player anymore. Um, but from what I hear, he's a good hitter. So, um, I don't know, be interesting to see when he comes up for the Reds, uh, if, if they ever, you know, like Flirt with that, don't, yeah, don't yeah, use yeah, the yeah. DH spot and let I, it I, I doubt it. Maybe if he has a tremendous career and later he wants to get in a bat or two and they just do that as a sign of respect. But when you have a guy that can full-time just sit there as DH and you were saying, I got a little tripped up, so maybe our audience might get a little tripped up. With with the DH rule, if you sub for the DH now, you don't lose the DH spot. Well, if you sub from another position player on your team, right? Or wait, so there's there's a way that you can't sub for DH. Is it if you bring in a bench bat into the DH, you keep it. But if you sub like your second baseman and make him DH in the middle of the game, you lose your DH spot. That person uh, who was the DH is now out of the game and your pitcher is now hitting in the DH spot. From my understanding, or well, technically second baseman saying DH spot and your pitcher's hitting in the second baseman spot. So you couldn't okay. make substitutions in the lineup within the lineup. If you go to the bench, you could do DH for a bench player. Cause obviously, you know, guys get hurt. You have to pull them out at a certain point. Like sometimes, you know, you need a pinch hit at bat and DH that's all fine and dandy. But if there's another guy, a position player who's already playing and subbed for the DH, then you lose that spot and your pitcher's now hitting. So I think that's where it comes from is because the Angels couldn't take Shohei out of the game and then like put him into a DH spot because they didn't have the DH spot. But even if they did, like they couldn't move a guy from a position into the DH spot. So that's where it gets tricky because then they would have lost it anyways and he wouldn't have been able to hit. So like if that makes any sense. Um, but that's kind of why it was because they didn't want you, I guess, moving a guy from a position to DH. Yeah. It also says that if you move your DH, I think you. it says if you move your DH – into a position on the field, you lose right. your DH spot. Right. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, that is interesting. That yeah. that is something. Wow. Learn something new every day. That is great. Thank I'm you. I'm here to I'm here to educate. That's what Thank I'm here you. for. Um, and before we get into our debate today, um, we forgot to mention this as Gary Sanchez had been traded two weeks ago. Um, but I had said, and you know me as a man of my word. I one, I am glad to not have to do this, but I said that if Gary Sanchez was the Yankees day one starting catcher for opening day this year in 2022 MLB season, I would not root for the Yankees this year. Um, and you would get to pick another team that I would have to root for for the year. Now, I said as a stipulation, it only just couldn't be the Red Sox. It could be anybody else. Beal. If they didn't, if the Yankees didn't trade Gary Sanchez and he was the opening day starter, who would you have given my fandom to for this upcoming season? I was between a few teams here. Okay. List, Team, list the three. teams and F3. then 
All right. List them in order of three to one and leave the best for last. What you think you would have ended up giving me. Okay. So three, the Mets only because they're in New York. It would have been painful for you to root for them, especially if they ended up winning. Cause then you're like, come playoff time, you're rooting for a team that you kind of just don't like. I don't know. It, I mean, I, I didn't really think about them for a long time because they're actually a good team, so I don't think they would have been miserable to root for. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but they were a consideration because I know that would have been a little bit painful for you as an uh, alternate New York fan. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you would have been, been rooting for the better New York team, so I guess it wouldn't have been that bad, but uh yeah but um let's see i think i think number two would have been um the brewers uh uh, mainly because of their rivalry with your second favorite team the cubs um the brewers i mean they're also your your love for the brewers yes yeah and and it would have been nice to kind of bond over that uh favorite team okay my favorite second team and your favorite team um i i like that i wouldn't have been very upset with the brewers i know you i don't think so either but i wouldn't have been upset with that they have very strong pitching and, and i ultimately determined that it's probably too fun of a team to root for. I mean, how can you oh, not God. love those players? I know what number one Yelly. is. What? Oh, and I, number one. Is it the Astros? Oh, that would have been good. But no, I don't think I would have done that to you because I don't want oh, any more Astros you. fans out there. That would have been okay. miserable for me to that have been root for the Astros. Awful. Yeah, so no, I wouldn't do that. Um but I would do this to you. I would make you root for the uh, the Marlins, the Jeterless Marlins, the team that has now lost all of the returning prospects from the Christian Yelich and the Giancarlo trades. All of them either traded or DFA'd. Uh, the last one just got DFA'd the other day. Um, the Marlins would have just been flat out miserable to root for. Um, they They have very little hope. Uh, Jazz Chisholm is a bright side in the Marlins lineup. A uh, really fun guy to watch. Uh, Sixto is a fun pitcher to watch. But besides that, I mean, you're kind of just watching Triple A baseball. Yeah. Um, so yeah, especially in that ballpark. I mean, I just think that uh, it, it's gotten better. But when Miami's ballpark first opened, it was just gaudy and horrible. Like it, it the the statue out in center field was just disgusting. Um, it's just I, I don't know. It's just not a fun baseball team to watch. It it is what it is. It's the Miami Marlins, yeah, and I don't than- want to trash on them too long. But the return that they got for their big players that was supposed to rebuild the franchise was just abysmal. And seeing that this week and seeing that the last player that they acquired between Yelich and Giancarlo was now gone. I mean, that is just kind of sad, but, uh, but yeah, so that's probably the team you have been rooting for this year. See that, you know me too well because them not even being competitive at all would have hurt me more than, like you could have picked the athletics and I think that would have hurt a lot as well. 
the zero um, money spenders they've spent zero dollars in free agency this year they're so bad zero and they're dollars. still they're trying to get rid of sean Manai and frankie montas yeah um the only and their catcher sean murphy who's one of the best catchers in the league and loriana um, yes and loriana they're just trying to get rid of anybody who has any talent on that roster and chad pinder for something <laughs> i mean yeah. it's crazy yeah, um it that would have been rough. I would have just been listing prospects every time I come on the show talking about the athletics. But I think that I think what's meant to be is meant to be for the greater good of this podcast. The Yankees did something right for a change. They traded Gary Sanchez, got a defensive catcher who in turn got hurt the second day of camp. Um, but he should be ready for the start of the season and Ben Rotrev. Um, but if we can get Sean Murphy from the athletics, our catching, our catching unit turns into from one of the worst in the league to one of the best very quickly. So, um, we'll see what happens there, but thank you, Beal, for those options. You know me too well as a very competitive person that would have hurt me more to root for a team that I might have bad blood for in the Mets as a crosstown rival. Um, but they would have been competitive and easy to root for. Um, actually, the Mets have so much heartbreak always. That would have been rough. I yeah. think Mets Astros would have been the toughest for me to root for. And past that, if you gave me like the athletics Marlins, you just get, I mean, even the Tigers got Javi Baez, so they won't even be as bad, but you just gave me like an off the radar team. The pirates would have been terrible. Yeah. Um, that's pretty, that would have hurt. The Reds would have um, been pretty bad, considering yeah, that they just don't care. Yeah, but at least they, they still care. have Votto. At least they uh, still have something. Yeah, but he's all but gone. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, thank you. Um, I, I don't know. I'm Thank you to Brian Cashman for trading Gary Sanchez. Um, but that brings us to the last thing for this podcast. Um, before we get here, Beal, do you have anything else to add? Um, don't believe so. Oh, there are some arbitration deals. Uh, Devers and the Red Sox avoided arbitration. Um, oh, pretty Neil. awesome. What? Yeah, uh, I'm glad you actually brought that up, but not glad at the same time. The only player the Yankees didn't reach a deal with yet is Aaron Judge discussing a, an extension. Oh, um, the Yankees just don't want to pay him. How abysmal yeah. of a franchise. I mean, it's, I mean, the guy's 30 year is going to turn 30 years old this year, um, this upcoming year. And yeah, I mean, 30 for a six, seven outfielder scares you. You, we don't want him to have another Stanton contract because eventually he's going to need to be a DH. So, um, he's a great outfielder right now, but I think we, you, just give him the bag as a four-year, maybe a five-year extension, but anything past that is going to be, I mean, it's it's going to be ugly. Yeah. Uh, other funny we're, thing we're that kind of happened. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we're not going to be the Yankees, uh, the Bronx Bombers or the Baby Bombers, whatever you want to call us. Um, pretty soon, if we sign him to a long-term deal, we're going to be the oldies. Yeah. Yep. That's right. And uh, yeah. you know who else is going to be the oldies if uh, 
actually i don't know never mind forget the oldies thing i was just trying to transition um but uh but the white Sox are kind of in a similar kind of disgruntlement with one of their arbitration players um lucas giolito went to the white Sox and filed that seven and a half million dollars not too much to ask for for a guy who's slotted to be their ace white Sox came back with 7.3 they're going to arbitration over 200 and 200 thousand dollars that they won't give to their young ace i just don't understand why yeah, the White Sox can't Yankees. cough up 200K for a guy who brought the uh, – in part, uh, I obviously didn't single-handedly bring them to the playoffs, but in part contributed largely to the White Sox getting to where they were last year. So why not? Yeah, that is that is crazy. That's a great story, Beal, that I did not see. Wow. At least the Yankees' difference with, with arbitration with Judge – for his final year of arbitration is north of $4 million. That's yeah, a hefty that's chunk a of change that you can spend. You can get a decent fourth outfielder for $4 million, right. um, a decent veteran. So yeah. uh, that is definitely something I would, um, I don't, I'm not mad about because they're also looking at a long-term extension and that's what they're more focused on. So yeah. I don't think he'll be that disgruntled as our, the face of the franchise. Um, but we need to get a deal done. Something's got to get done. But I, I, I hope it's good for both the franchise and him. He deserves his money. Um, he is the face of the Yankees, the best franchise in America. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I hope that they pull off a pretty good deal with him. And I hope we see that in the next couple of days. But without further ado, I've been excited for this. With your little comment last week of the Red Sox having the best infield in the league. American League. Okay. I corrected myself last week. Yes. Yes. I forget that. All right. I have prepared five teams, a deep debrief of five teams that I think have argument for the best infield in the whole league. We're including catcher here. Um, Catcher, not as much because – they're not like out in the field, but they are a part of the infield. Um, so the, I think if two teams tie, I think that catcher could be a good, you know, break point of saying this is what puts them over the edge. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Cause they are the leader behind the plate and technically they are in the infield. So Beal, I'm, I'm, I'm going to list my five teams real quick with the best infields that I think have the best infields, not in any particular order. Uh, the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, the Texas Rangers, and the Atlanta Braves. Those are my top five. Um, and what is, do you have a top five prepared or did you just prepare a top one for today? Um, I kind of thought about it. Uh, I was kind of more along the lines of a top three, but if I have to say, yeah, no, the top, top, top five is good. Top three is good. Yeah. Um, my top five though, is that top five? Because okay, that's, that's, I, I think, I think like, I, I don't know. I thought about it a little bit, but like, after you said that, I just can't make a debate for anybody else. And, um, 
I, I think the Padres with a healthy Tatis could make an argument. I mean, Twins getting yeah, Correa but Tatis is maybe. not in the infield anymore. Yeah, that's true. Moving them to center, but if you put them at shortstop, and then maybe the yeah, Mets with with a great season from Lindor, and they got Eduardo Escobar. Um, but who is the Mets' first baseman? Pete Alonso. Even, Pete Alonso. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a pretty good player. So I, I think the Mets, um, you could make an argument there. I just – I can't because of what Lindor did last year. I love Lindor, but he was not good. Yeah, no, I'm not – and based on – like you have Robinson Cano going down at second base with the PEDs um, and not great with J.D. Davis there at third. He was not great. But Jeff McNeil's okay coming back from injury. That, that's a Big te- fan. That's a team yeah. – yeah, huge fan. Great lefty bat. But that's a team where I think they could jump into the top five this year, just an on the radar. But let's get get into this top five. Um, you said you prepared a top three. Who's that top three? And then I'll just talk about my four and five. Who's your top gonna, three? I, I mean, it's kind of hard to draw the line, but I was going to mainly talk about the Blue Jays, Red Sox, and Dodgers. Uh, yep, if I were that to is my throw someone three. else in it would be the Braves, but I have a hard time doing that. Um, only because it, so for me, like I, I freaking love Dansby, but he can be such an up and down player. Uh, obviously Austin Riley was putting up like MVP like numbers in the second half last year. Um, Ozzy Albies is Ozzy Albies. Uh, Kind of also a little bit up and down. I mean, he, he's been an all-star. He was an all-star last year. He's also been like kind of, I, I don't know, kind of like an average um, offensive player with good defense. And obviously, Matt Olson, they're an incredible defense, but I think that the Blue Jays, Red Sox, and Dodgers are on a bit of a different level uh, and have a few more consistent players. So, um, so that's kind of how I got to my top three of the Red Sox, Blue Jays, and Dodgers. But I, I didn't want to disregard how good the Braves infield was. Oh yeah, I I totally agree with you. And and getting Matt Olson to replace Freddie Freeman, I think there's just going to be like playoff. I, the only thing with them that pushes them out, Travis Darno at catcher is is good, um, but not great. Um, and the question mark with Dansby's bat. Um, I mean, he's good in the field. That that is a great infield. So I, I just think, you know getting that world series and maybe coming off of the high of a world series. Cause Austin Riley had a breakout season last year, but not as proven Ozzy Dansby still young players. Um, Matt Olson is great. Um, that is a great infield. Also uh, a runner up to our top three. I mean, just these top three infields are incredible. Um, I could make an argument to knock out. We'll get there, but um, the Rangers, uh, they have Simeon and Corey, Corey Seager that they grabbed in free agency for a load of money. And then you have Nathan Lau um, at first base, um, had a great season. Those could be their top three hitters in their lineup. Um, you have Mitch Garver, a catcher, a great power hitting catcher. Um, one of the top five catchers in the league at this point. And then at third base, though, you have a whole – Maybe Brad Miller, maybe this uh, veteran and Andy Abanez, 
who has not been great. So um, not a proven, just a big hole there at third base, but everywhere else pretty solid. Um, but these top three teams, um, there's only one team in the top three that I think has a hole at a position. Um, and that, Blue Jays. that's the Red Sox. Uh, uh, I disagree. The Red Sox have a big hole. At Do you first like base. the Blue Jays catcher? I wasn't include. We were saying catcher is a as an over the top like bring you oh, in. Oh, oh, I see, I see, I see. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. Like that's why I say the Blue Jays have. When you made that comment about them having the best infield in the AL, um, I think an infield of Kevin Biggio at second, Vladdy at, at first, Matt Chapman at third, Boba Shett at short. And Danny Jansen at catcher is a better infield than what the Red Sox are going to run out there this this year. Okay, quick rebuttal. And this yeah. is real quick. So you say that the Red Sox have a hole, right? And that's first base. Yes. Let me pull up some quick stats here. Bobby Dahlbeck. Yeah, please. Uh, Bobby Dahlbeck had a 240 batting average. With 25 homers and 78 RBI and a 792 OPS. Remember those numbers. They're not fantastic, but they're not the only team with the hole. Yes. Yvonne Biggio, 224 batting average, seven home runs, 27 RBI. Let alone he played three or had 300 plate appearances to Bobby's 450, I think. But I mean, you look at the averages, 678 OPS. I mean, that's over 100 he, points lower plays, than Dahlbeck's. He plays second base as an above-average defender, um, whereas Bobby, as seen by a lot of the Yankees-Red Sox games I watched, made some boneheaded plays to lose them baseball games at first base. And first base is not a position that is that hard to feel. You have to make some scoops but I don't think he has a good glove at all. And we know this, there's two sides. There's both hitting and fielding. I would call him a hole. As a rookie coming into his second year, sophomore slumps are a thing. If he's going to slump from what he did last year coming in, he's going to see more breaking pitches as a power hitter. Um, teams know how to pitch to him more. I think that's a big Cool. Let's uh, let's uh, put it into perspective, though, because it is Bobby's second year in the big leagues. He is not a natural first baseman. Grew up playing uh, third shortstop outfield. He is a very versatile player because he has a lot of speed. He was actually rated as the fastest player on the Red Sox last year. Had the fastest foot per second uh, speed running to home. And uh, and so I just want to point that out, that he is a very athletic player and he's able to play lots of positions. That's not to say that he knows how to play first base yet, but I think he has a skill set to be a very good first baseman and showed signs of being a very solid first baseman. Early on in the year, yeah, he was making bad plays. He made a few errors, um, but that is that is all about learning position. Um, I'm not saying he's a better defensive player than BGO because he's not. 
Um, they play two different positions, but still, I mean, when you compare them, Bichio is a better and above average defensive player at the moment. Um, but he is playing his natural position. And so it's hard to compare because Dahlbeck was learning position and still has not played a ton of first base. Um, but he was blocked at third base by obviously Devers, who is one of the best third basemen in the league, if not the best. Um, and it's just, I, I mean, it is what it is that we have a guy who hasn't played first base and he's learning it. And so that it is a knock at the end of the day, but it, it's, it's a little bit tough one to swallow, uh, as far as like the defensive argument, because it's not to say that he can't get better or improve. Yeah. I, and I know, and the Red Sox have a great first base prospect, um, but the Blue Jays also have a great second base prospect. Who's going to be backing up Biggio in case he doesn't play well and Otto Lopez. Um, so I think they're about equal there. Um, so if you wanted, but I, I think if you go position by position, right. You, yeah not position by position, just best player in the infield versus best player. Wait, Vladdy, why, why aren't we going position by position? Cause you realize oh, that can... Red Sox would get three of them. No, 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 no. We'll go position by position. I think yeah. it's arguable. Okay. The... Devers better than Chapman. There's no argument there. Right. Uh, that you're joking, right? What do you mean? Am I joking? I love Chapman fielder, more than anybody. Chapman is probably my favorite base. player not on the Red Sox. Wow. Uh, he is. I, I love Chapman. But I know. I Chapman know you was do. I, awful last year offensively. How are you going to say that he's better than probably one of the best infielding offensive players the league has seen? I mean, yeah, Matt Chapman is like probably the best defensive player we've seen, but that only goes so far. I, you could see that in the way that the A's competed last year and the year before. They needed his bat, and it wasn't there. He batted 210 last year. Yeah, he did bat 210. He had a down weird year. But I mean, both that's not just a had... down year. That is awful. I mean, he was hurt. And yeah, I'll give even – yeah, but yeah, he played like, through injury, right now, and even with that, even with that, he's a more proven commodity. They had the same war last year because Devers still is not a trusted fielder. Um, granted, he did make strides to get better last year, but they had the same exact war, and we know that wins above for placement is a pretty accurate stat to determine how effective you are at your position and how you help your team um, win games. Um, it factors in clutch. It factors in all facets of the game, base running, everything like that. Um, so I, that is my argument there, even in a bad season. But if you want to call that a wash, I would be happy to call that a wash. Yeah, I know you would, but I'm not willing to say that right now. Okay. Well, I was thought I was compromising. Yeah. I, I didn't want to say it was a wash. I just showed weakness there. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I, I was trying to be nice. Um, Matt Chapman is a better baseball player and he'll prove it this year. If you want to make a wager on that, um, on who's going to have a better war this, this year between Chapman and Devers. No, I'm not wagering on war. Okay. Not war um, alone. What else, what other factor do you want to bring in there? I mean, you got to factor what goes into war. I mean, like just, I, I don't know. 
B war, F war, get the baseline, look at offensive. I, at the end of the day, like I, you know how much I love defense, but at the end of the day, I'd rather an offensive player who's serviceable at their defensive spot. I just, I don't know. I hate saying that because I love Chapman. I, I'm fine if we call it a wash um, right now, but it just, I don't know. I, I just, uh, I, I think that Devers has well, just been yeah, overlooked that's for fine. so long. Yeah, I I say Devers gets the edge uh, in, in all reality. I, I'm just saying when we go, you're going position by position, but as a whole, you know that like some position, like, the Blue Jays have the best two players in the infield that two better players than the Red Sox have in their entire infield. So Vlad Guerrero and Bo Bichette are better players than, and Bo Bichette. Vlad. Okay. Bo Bichette got some MVP votes last season. If you want, if you want to listen to some hitting stats, you can listen to these almost a six, Oh, war. He had a five, nine war. I know you don't want to hear about war. He batted 300 last year. I mean, what else do you want more from a shortstop? I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I think the Red Sox beat them at middle infield because between Bogarts 4.9 war and stories 4.2, you get up to, what is that? 9.1 versus the blue Jays combined war, which is, half of a win above replacement for BGO and then uh 5.9 for Bichette. So you're at six and a half ish, 6.4. But I they mean, have them by three wins. That's, that's, huge that's not fair. Trevor story played a different position, a more important position last year in shortstop. You know, that Biggio didn't play most of the year because he took a backseat to Marcus Simeon who was the starter there with the Blue Jays last year. So Biggio put up 25 and 20, 25 stolen bases, 29 home runs. Um, we can agree to disagree. They're very close. And I just think that the Blue Jays it. were, uh, never mind. They're, they weren't better last year, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think don't they know. necessarily and that's, got. I, we won't know until the, the season starts, but um I think when you said last last you said at first that Red Sox had the best infield in the league, and then you caught yourself because of the Dodgers. Most yeah, well, we don't even have to talk have... about the Dodgers. No, they're, they're Justin just Turner, Trey Turner. Yeah, they're um, better. Gavin Lux, Chris Taylor, whatever player you want to put at second base. No, Max Muncy. He can't field the position. Yeah, he I, can. Chris, he came up like he has played second base significantly. He's so big now, though. There, it there, doesn't matter. Carpenter used second. to play second. I mean, Ryan McMahon plays second. He's six four. DJ plays second. He's no. Six, I'm not talking about that kind of big. I'm talking about lateral quickness. I don't think he has. He's it. pretty he's quick. Not. You you'd be surprised. I I will be surprised if he turns. He stole in, two bases he, last year. He wasn't a great fielder at first, so. <laughs> Um, he, he's he's uh, actually gotten better, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of with you. I, like it's, well, it's but hard whoever to see they place second. at second, he's yeah. a great bat. Yeah, great it doesn't even matter. Power yeah. bat. So who? Yeah, whatever they put, Chris Taylor, they can put there because he plays all over the place. But Freddie Freeman at first, and then you you add on to that, you have the best catcher in the league, and Will Smith 
arguably the best catcher in the whoa, league whoa, whoa, versus whoa. JT Realmuto and Salvador Perez. But um, I, I mean, he's only 27, like as opposed yeah. to these other guys. And I always come back to war because it's my favorite stat. But he had the second best war to who do you think he had the best? Salvi. No, Buster Posey, who is now retired. Oh, I love year. Buster. So, yeah, um, that's yeah and that's the perfect catcher name. We all miss Buster. I just love Salvi because the man had 48 bombs as a catcher. I think that is just absurd. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm glad we talked about these best infields and didn't once mention the Yankees. I don't even know if the Yankees have a top 10 infield right now. Um especially with who they're going to trot out a catcher because um, they won't be right now. They both hit under 200 for their careers. Um, so both of our options there with Rotrev and Higgy. Um, but you make a case. I, I thought um, I th- if the Rangers had a decent third baseman to trot out there, I think the Rangers could also make an argument there versus um, the Red Sox. And I think they still can sitting right now, but I think story Bogarts endeavors is a better headline than just Correa and Simeon up the middle. I don't think Lau is at that level yet. I put Lau at like a Bobby Dahlbeck level, um, but who they're going to try to third, not great, but Garver is definitely a better catcher than Vasquez is. That is definitely for sure. But Vasquez is no slouch, as you know. Um, I just uh, – Mitch Garver has had one good year so far, personally, um, in my opinion. So I'd rather Vasquez just because I think you know what you're getting from him. Garver's either – well, I mean, Garver was solid last year. It just – he didn't have a whole lot of appearances. I mean, guy's been hurt lots of times. Obviously, he put up the numbers that he did in 2019. Um, but, yeah, he's uh, he's kind of a question mark in my mind right now. I mean, in a short 2020 season, didn't play well. 2018, 2019, 2021 all had great years. So, we'll see. yeah, I, I don't we'll dislike see, him. But I think I'm not out on him. Yeah, I think he's he's proven that he's a pretty solid player. Um, yeah, but I understand your bias for Vasquez. He is he has been clutch a clutch bat as a catcher. So that is really good pitch. Something you don't too. get and can yes, command the game well. But I put I wouldn't even if you want to have a separate debate about Vasquez. I don't think he's a top ten catcher in the league. Uh, we could save that one for next week. Okay. <laughs> I would, I would love to do that. Um, yeah, that'll be a quick one because he's not top 10. Um, but Beal, I'm going to give this one to you. I think the Red Sox, uh, I, depth too is a thing in the infield. Um, but I think the Red Sox definitely have, uh, who, who's the backup? Who's going to be that fifth infielder for them? I mean, it depends on where you go with this one. Um, Christian Arroyo, like roster wise, would be. Kike Hernandez absolutely could be slotted in, given that Jackie Bradley Jr. is back on the Red Sox, could slide over to center. Um, 
And so, I, I mean, if you're going to kind of throw in backups and then you got Travis Shaw first or third, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I mean, think they're, that's they're kind of where we're at definitely, right now. definitely edges out what the Blue Jays have for depth. Um, yeah, the only lovable player I saw was Otto Lopez on their current roster as, yeah as an infielder um, to back them up. But yeah, they have Leonardo Jimenez um, and Santiago Espinal um, who are good players in their, in their own right. Um, Santiago Espinal last year batted 320 in the limited games that he played. Um, So doesn't hit for any power, only had two home runs in those games, um, had two over 200 at bats. So if you slot him in at second, now I'm going to backtrack here. I did not know that this man was this good. Wow. Just, just wow. Yeah. That's a solid season. Yeah. 311 batting average, 781 OPS. That's pretty good yep, as a second baseman. I'll take that. So right. I'm with um, you. Dodgers, Blue Jays, and Red Sox. I'm cool with that. Okay, yes. I took home a win, finally. Beal, I think in your thing, in these debates, you're probably somewhere around like four and two, I would say. Yeah, I would concur. If we're, keep, if we're keep, keeping count. So, yes, I'm glad that last minute of information – um, closing argument came in there strong. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for another great show. Um, that's all we have for today. We'll see you again, um, on Monday of next week. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week and you enjoy the rest of March madness. I can't wait. I'm going to be going crazy to hope that my back bracket survives. Um, yeah, so I don't know if it will. I'm not having a good feeling about UCLA or really anybody right now. I'm downing everything with March Madness because it's craziness. Um, it's been one of the worst starting picks wise of March Madness I've ever, ever been. Um, Cause I call myself such a, you know, how much college basketball I watch. Um, but yeah, have a great sunrise sunset. Um I hope my whining here at the end about my bracket didn't ruin, ruin your day. Um, but to brighten your day, I just want to say this one piece of information. Um, I love you guys. Love you guys. Have a great week and enjoy some baseball. <laughs>